Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Labelled Podcast. If you don't know already, I am Lucy, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hello. Hello. How are you? Uh, I am medium irritated. Because, medium irritated. Yeah, because okay. I'm, I'm having my... Uh, three yearly battle with the DWP over my benefits. So that's where we are at the moment. Um, that's why I was late to the recording this morning because uh, I got a really fat letter through the post and my husband went, well, that looks promising. And I thought, mm, no, <laughs> no, the, 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 the fat the envelope. The, is... <laughs> yeah. the thinner the envelope, the better we are. Exactly. Honest. Yeah. yeah. When, they, when they're when they willing to give it to you, they're really begrudging and they're like, yeah. oh, Here fine. <laughs> yeah. Here and you just get, you get one pay. <laughs> But uh, but when it's when it's no, it's all the reasons why no. Did I tell you what their their original one of their original reasons why I'm not getting it is because what? apparently I do not have a physical, sensory, or cognitive impairment. Apparently, blindness doesn't count as a sensory impairment anymore. Oh, does it not? What what, does it, what, what, what is it? What does the DWP think blindness is? Do we know? I I'm assuming some kind of magical power. <laughs> are you like one of the new avengers or something i mean i take that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i don't think i'd look as good in a cat suit as uh black widow though no i don't <laughs> think any of us would to be fair no. um i i never i never understand the fact that i have to reapply every five years because apparently cerebral palsy can just cure itself yeah um, yeah that's that's the other thing like, of course is yeah it's is is that why I'm not getting Pip anymore? It's because oh, suddenly I can see, and it's like oh, nobody told my eyes. Did you not realise, Alice, that yeah. my legs actually shed themselves like every five years, like a snake, and I just get new ones? <laughs> Got lizard legs. Lizard legs. That's a, that's going to be my new nickname. <laughs> lizard legs. Lucy lizard legs. <laughs> anyway, shall we introduce our, this week's guest? That does sound like a, a good idea. Otherwise, yes. we will just sit here and waffle for an hour. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we are being joined by Emily. Emily, why don't you just take the reins and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, Lucy and Alice. Um, I'm not going to promise there won't be any waffle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise that. Um, <laughs> So I'm Emily. Um, I um, have a number of different labels. Um, I'm disabled. I have um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome um, and a few of the other comorbidities that go with that. But I'm also, I have lots of labels, really. I think that's one of the things that I think is really important to highlight about people with disabilities is that I'm also a mum. I'm a business owner. I'm a wife. I'm a um, political... I, 
call it a political slacktivist rather than activist. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've had lots of wonderful, amazing people on this podcast. And I sort of sit here going, wow, I'm feeling sometimes woefully inadequate <laughs> in all of the stuff that I do. Us, can I just say, Emily, us too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're like, oh. Wow. Um, <laughs> the conduit, aren't we, really, to the... Uh... Yeah, we should, yeah, we should really shut so. up, just shut up and let them speak. So. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I do, I do do things, but I, you know, I do things with my dis, you know, with my disability, um, and in the disabled field, um, I suppose. But I'm also just a normal, ordinary person. So I'm here repping for disabled people who don't always stand up for stuff because sometimes we just don't have the spoons. No. Well, yeah, I, I also think it's. Um, I always sort of want to say to people like I'm I'm all about like talking about you know the spoons and yes it takes a lot of energy uh, to just exist as a disabled person but also sometimes I just I just don't want to get out of bed I just want to just be lazy and sit on my ass and read my book and I think that it's quite important sometimes as well to be like like that is also just a legitimate like allowed thing to do because we do it with non-disabled people all the time we're quite happy for them to be lazy idle swines why can't we be that too exactly and i think there is a kind of pressure sometimes to be sort of like the good disabled person yeah like yeah. a um like you know sort of being an activist and being seen to be you know nice to people and polite about our needs and all of those sorts of things and i I'm kind of fed up of it and rebelling against it, really. Um, and that's what I've been working on, um, challenging ableism um, within the political sphere um, and that side of things, but also um, just in general as well, um, because it's something that we experience daily. I think I am definitely guilty of, of feeling like I'm not being a good enough disabled person. Um, you know, like, so something happened to me recently at the hospital, some ableism happened. And like, I told, when I, when I tell people about it, so, so basically what happened was a healthcare assistant was basically being very nosy about why I couldn't walk and didn't really believe me when I said I'd never been able to walk. I don't know what she thought I was going to do. But, um, <laughs> what, would I you like until oh, now yeah, yeah. hang on you, i've just not been trying me. hard enough uh and she then said i don't know how you cope uh if i were you i'd kill myself and i was like oh okay because uh, it took and i didn't say anything because it took me by surprise because i was still trying to process like what what link goes okay yeah all right she thinks that i am a lesser person because my legs don't don't work and she obviously thinks my life is terrible um, my life is not terrible um and then when i when i tell people what happened they either don't believe me or they say oh you should complain about that and i'm thinking yeah uh, yeah probably should but at the same time i'm exhausted by this like but then i feel guilty if i don't complain that i'm being a bad disabled person and i'm letting everybody else down and so i i definitely feel like i i um and I think there's an element of like as well, like if you complained every time that happened to you, you wouldn't get anything else done. No, 
Oh no, it's it's everything, isn't it? Yeah, we had the recent um, incident at the at COP twenty six with the Israeli minister not able yeah. to get yeah. into the event, and you know, lots of non disabled people were really surprised. It was like, oh no, but yeah, you know, the law and all of these things, and we're like, it's and straight people were going, yeah, <laughs> like. And like, every yeah. day of my life, babes, if I'm honest, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. rubbish, but it, you know, it's, it's normal. And I think that, you know, we, there is a, an element, I, I had it again recently at a conference where I turned up to talk on a panel that was literally called <laughs> being an ally against ableism. Fabulous. You know? Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, and all mm-hmm. four panelists were wheelchair users. So you um, would think you would think Ramp City, basically, wouldn't you? Really, Ramp City, would, really, in a conference centre somewhere that's yeah. set up for these yeah. things. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, we get there, and the platform has no ramp to it. Oh, Jesus Christ! Harry <laughs> Gray Thompson at the Sports Personality of the Year Awards all over again, isn't it? Yeah, really. and. The, the thing is, is that I dealt with it in lovely good humour because that's the kind of person that I am. Yeah. You know, to start with, I make it funny. Um, you know, there was actually a journalist there to witness the whole thing. So that was really, really funny. Um, and it was just that thing of going to the lovely stewards and just looking at them and going, hello, would you like to provide a way for us to get onto this platform and they were horrified but there was no simple solution and they they did have ramps but they weren't there and when I posted about this on uh, a disability forum on Facebook another disabled person said but did you ask in advance and this is what that annoys me yeah, exactly. And this is the problem is that this is why, you know, we talk about ableism and you've talked about it on the podcast about the language that we use to describe or to talk to disabled people being ableist. But actually, the biggest problem is that we live in an ableist society. The structures are made for people that do not have disabilities. Um, and the ramp should have been there as a standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, should, there should be no platforms in no. a conference centre that do not have ramps. Yeah. And that, and we shouldn't have to always ask because that's, again, that the problem was is that then, you know, I dealt with it in a funny way and they sorted it and it was fine. But we're always having to ask. Mm-hmm. And that isn't equal access. You know, the whole no. point with the Equalities Act and access under the Equalities Act is that it's supposed to be anticipatory. It's... Mm-hmm there to start with and if we are constantly having to ask that then again perpetuates the the perception of us being difficult yeah. and having being challenging and being argumentative or being yeah <laughs> being difficult disabled people you know being awkward and mm-hmm. um, you know it was it's, it's and actually, i always sorry emily um i i just i never I, I never know what is the the correct reaction in those situations. You know, do there is a part of me that wants to absolutely rage yeah. and say this is just fucking unacceptable. And there's a part of me that, as you say, wants to like kind of make a joke about it and laugh it off. But actually, I don't think 
that that really shows the seriousness of the situation. I think no. that it's important to show how serious that uh, that situation is. And it's funny, listening to you talk and sort of thinking about this now, I actually think that moving forward, I shall take a leaf out of Lucy's book and I should just start to cry. <laughs> yes! Yes. Because I think if you if you, the Kleenex. <laughs> if you cry in front of them and yeah. you just say, I'm so tired of always having to fight for this mm -hmm. and just cry, yep. then I almost feel like it puts the, there's inex inescapable guilt there, which they should feel. Mm -hmm. And it really, you know, because they get, like, I get making a joke of it. I've done it myself, absolutely. But it lets people off the hook. Yeah. And I think if if we start crying at them mm. be, and saying to them, I'm crying because this is a battle I fight every day and it is exhausting. Yeah. yeah. It will show, it might actually show people how serious this is because, I, you know, Getting angry, I absolutely get getting angry. Um, and thankfully, I'm an angry crier. So it's kind of the only thing that sets me off. I'm, I'm a bit of a wimpy, wimpy sort of, oh, good cry, everything. Yeah, but, um... it's a Wednesday afternoon, so you just got to have a cry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with Lucy on that one, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm yeah, Lucy. yeah. I also think as well, um, another if you like if you can't if you can't summon the tears from anywhere um is when when people are so i had a situation a few a few years ago now where a friend of mine had she was having a baby shower oh, i think you've told me this story and i don't I, think you've told it on the show though. i don't think i have so I, I, yeah yeah because i have a tendency to repeat myself um <laughs> so yeah my 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 friend who is now lo no no longer a friend purely for this reason um she was organizing a baby shower and uh, had said to her friend could you organize this baby shower for me please and she said yes she'd given her a list of people that she wanted at this event i've known i'd known this person or we've been friends since we were like babies we've grown up together and she'd say you know we were like we were like family really and um I turned up at this this baby shower. I'd recently gone through a bereavement in the family, so I didn't. I wasn't my best, but I dragged myself out of bed, put some makeup on, and thought, like, right, let's go. And then um, we got there. And you know, when you pull up at somewhere and you just think, I ain't gonna get in here. <laughs> Even before you've entered the door, you're like, oh, no, I'm not gonna get in here. Uh, we went in and we said, we're here for some and baby shower, and they went. Yes, it's just down the stairs, like a really pair of steep, old staircase. And then there was like this realisation of, oh, shit, we can't get Lucy down the stairs. So my mum took the gift and everything down the stairs and said, um, you do know that Lucy's here, don't you? And, she, and, and then it dawned on this friend of hers that, oh, Christ, I've made an error. Um, and instead of, I felt so embarrassed for one mm. because i just felt like an absolute lemon because i was mm. just sat there like hi hi it everybody. makes you feel awkward, awful doesn't it 
Yeah. Among, yeah. And people were like, oh, do you want to help? Do you want me to help carry you down the stairs? I was like, oh, uh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I was like, uh, no. They were like, uh, could you go and sit in this other room and then we'll keep coming back every 20 minutes and having a sandwich? I was like, that's not happening because you're making me like a special. Um, that's awful. awful. Um, and my mum was like, oh, you know, everyone was like, I'm really sorry. They were saying, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And I was like, I just did not say anything. I did not. I didn't did show any emotion. Did they to apologise? Yeah. But, and the, the, this, and the, woman, the girl who had organised it, she was like sobbing because she said, I know that you're like, you're like family and stuff. My friend turned up and went, oh, it doesn't matter. You tried your best. So that's why we're not friends anymore. But that's another issue oh. for another podcast. But... Um, my mum was going, oh, you know, they were like, I'm really sorry. Mum's like, honestly, it's fine. It's fine. I was like, mum, stop telling her it's fine. Because, like, even no. though we we don't want to be here, it's not fine. Just, just, I, I just didn't say anything. I didn't, I, and I looked at my sister. I was like, I'm done with her. I am done with this. Because I, it's like, and I think that's quite powerful just to be able to sit there, even though you feel so uncomfortable and you're on the ground to swallow you up and not say anything, not, not go... When they go, oh, I'm really sorry. Mm. Go, oh, it's mm. fine. It's but it takes you all your strength to go. Do you know what? This isn't fine. And they could tell by my face it wasn't fine. Mm. Do you know what? I mean? So I was trying, really trying to make them feel as as uncomfortable as an as and as embarrassed as I was. I don't know whether it worked, but I. It's it's like standing there it takes guts to go. I'm not moving. I and I think I think that like you know I can just imagine. Like Emily, you know the the four wheelchair user panelists just just arriving and just sitting, you know, on the side of the um, podium and just on the and just and just just wait, just sit there and wait for somebody to notice and yeah, sit yeah. there and wait for somebody to fix it. It's almost like waiting for the penny to drop and go. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. we've made a real error here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it, though, is that it's this idea, again, what I was talking about in terms of the good disabled person and being nice. Um, there was a, one of your episodes a while ago where someone was saying, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that people's non-disabled people's interactions with us are positive. And, I, and I'm really fed up with that. I just think yeah. that that kind of idea that I have to make light of things, that I have to be nice mm-hmm. about stuff you know is is wrong i think we should actually get angry you know, if you're not angry you're not paying attention um and it's we ha- we sort of tone police each other as well yeah you know, within the disabled community yeah you know, mm. we yeah you know, the woman saying to me did you ask beforehand is part of the problem yeah you because know, we're mm. we're sort of allowing these things to continue and so there's you know I think because actually on that conference I had um, I, I lost it. I did actually lose it. I had we were crossing the road, and every time I was crossing the road, there was like sort of twenty, thirty other people around me trying to cross the road as well. I'm trying not to run people over. I'm trying to get across the road to a narrow crossing point that mm. I need people to be out of my way. I've got to have momentum to get up the curb, and I lost my voice basically because I'd been going excuse me excuse me please get mm. away look where you're going and being really you know, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was great and I've been doing this for five days mm. um, and I was exhausted and this 
bloke in a suit looked down at me at me because I'd said you know because I'd shouted you know like pay attention because I'd literally yeah. shout pay attention <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like wow and I went fuck off <laughs> And he then went charming, and I was like, "It's not my job to be no. charming." No, no, I know. So I'm trying to keep you safe and me safe. Yeah. I'm trying to not get run over. Yeah, I'm not going to be polite about that. I'm fairly so, certain. Early on in the show, we started talking about getting those cow catcher things that they have on the front of trains, and just automatically install those onto all wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say one of those scoopy, you know, you know, when, oh, well. like the big, the big diggers that they use for digging out like quarries and stuff. One of them, and just, just people, and then you just throw it over your shoulders. I also like, think we program. should get. I think we should yeah. get. Yeah, I think we should get them branded with labelled podcast, so that we can like, <laughs> as we're bulldozing into the ableist assholes, we can go. Yeah. You should listen to this podcast, by the way, because we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Educate and yourself. But I lost it. I really lost it. And I and I was yeah. embarrassed afterwards that I'd actually because I was yeah, I was shaking, I was angry yeah. that I was being rude mm. and that I had told someone to fuck off. Um, even however much he might have deserved it. And and then I thought about it some more and I was like, actually, no, you know, I was doing everything I could to keep everybody safe and to keep myself safe. And we shouldn't always expect us to be the ones that are doing that. No. And um, everybody has a bad day as well, don't they? Exactly. You can't always, like, be nicey-nicey all the time. I also think it's important in situations like this, especially when you're, like, reflecting back on your own reactions to things, yeah. to, to, to take the time to kind of accurately label your own emotions so like anger is different to frustration and is different to rage and you know what like I think I think in that situation you know I wouldn't say that I, I just I don't think we should ever apologize for being angry I think that there's there's different you know different emotions that can feel like anger that mm. are caused by different things but actually I think that that kind of anger that comes from just being constantly beaten down and just be, basically you know and you feel like you've been just punched in the face for 10 years and you finally had enough that I don't think we should ever feel bad for feeling like that because that is it, it's it, that is that is our our, our limbic system yeah. you know our our brains our chemicals reacting to the things that are happening to us that are causing us this emotional strain and i think i really you know i understand that people don't want to go around telling people to fuck off and stuff like that i mean i don't <laughs> care about that but some people <laughs> don't like to, <laughs> to we tell the dwp um i always say that i get um well i used to say it was once every five years but i actually think it's like once every two now that it's like i am very easygoing i think i'm very easygoing i'm very sort of like yeah okay i'm very open and i'm very honest and i'm very um matter of fact about things you know if people ask questions i will 
always answer them as best I can whilst keeping some sort of dignity. Um, and then like once every, I used to say once every five years, I go what we call, what me and my friend call full Ned Flanders. If you've ever seen the episode of The Simpsons where Ned Flanders gets house, burnt, house blown down by a tornado, his neighbours rebuild his house and do something kind and then it falls to pieces again and he just loses it because he's the nicest man in Springfield and of course he just like goes, you're all, you're all like nincompoops basically and and just loses it and shouts at everybody and it feels like that but whenever i get that when i when that does happen it doesn't happen very often but when it does happen there is always one person who goes oh all right what's up with you like and i'm thinking do you really want me to do you really want to know do you, <laughs> do you really want me to start but that's where, that's where it's important to like to to recognize when you're feeling though like you know when when that's building up and rather mm. than exploding at everybody that's why yeah. it's really important to you know level out to, to dole out the fucking retribution where it's deserved yeah. you know this is this is the you know the black lives matter riots where people were you know and 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 i mean even you know going really really extreme this is when you think about the the IRA, the IRA bombed political, um, you know, places of political significance and people of political significance. They told the police where they were going to bomb and they moved the civilians out because their point was, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going for the people we feel are responsible for mm -hmm. the actions, not just the collateral damage of losing it at everybody. And I think, you know, I'm not saying that we should do anything the IRA are doing. But I <laughs> Who's going to say? <laughs> I we're going to have to have a, we're gonna have to, yeah, we're going to have to disclaimer at the top of this. Yeah. We have, I, I have a tendency to, to do this. That, that's amazing, day. Alice. I mean, I, I literally, because I'm, I'm <laughs> the same age as Lucy, and I, I was in Hackney uh, when the bomb went off in Canary Wharf. Uh, really? The IRA, so, and we heard the bomb. I was playing in my bedroom. Wow. And we heard the bomb go off. Um, but yes, I agree. I think that we, you know, quite often, I think the collateral damage of our exhaustion and our anger at everything that is happening to us can come out at the wrong people, you know, because it can be the people that we love, the people that are around us all the time, or it can be the, the poor person that said the one thing broke yeah you know, the straw that <laughs> broke the camel's back that probably wasn't as bad as all of that yeah we just had our fill and you get to the limit um and that's what happened to me that day was that I'd had enough I you know I'd had my limit and um but also it was fear as well I you know when I, mm. I, I was afraid I was scared I was crossing yeah. the road I was vulnerable and I was concerned for my safety and so that's where I lost it was because it was adrenaline and it was fear and it was all of those things and you lose control but I think it's also sort of allowing ourselves to feel those things yeah. and to be you know angry about stuff because I think that as someone who deals with chronic pain a lot um I describe it in the way that you know I'm in pain all the time I have pain I'm aware of 
my body. I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it is that I have knees and I can mm-hmm. feel them. I have hips, I, can, I have a back and I'm aware of them the whole time. And then it's just that my ability to tolerate that pain changes. Yeah. And that so it's not my pain doesn't necessarily go up. It's just that my ability to tolerate the pain goes down. Um so it will end up being things like um you know whether it's stress whether it's illness whether it's for no reason whatsoever because <laughs> that also happens um but my ability to tolerate that pain changes and i think that can be applied to the the problems that we have as disabled mm. people to deal with ableism all the time is that our ability to tolerate that can only go so far and we should stop having to tolerate it we shouldn't be tolerating it um and that's one of the things that i'm doing politically is to make sure is to try and make it so that we don't have to tolerate it no i also think as well being british doesn't help oh, you know no. what i mean that very <laughs> polite, no, polite. polite. No, it's, it's absolutely fine my, my my leg is hanging off but it's absolutely fine don't worry it's not your fault i'm very i'm very sorry Terribly sorry. That kind of thing. Being British does not help, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think we try and be polite, don't we? Yes, we do. I think it's the default setting, isn't it, if you're from England? Like, we must be polite at all time. Is there a queue? Oh, no. We'll make one. I think there's definitely a, uh, you know, if it's not a British thing, I think there's also like a, like a sort of a, a social a, a, like generational thing like when I'm out with my mum I was out with my mum walking both the dogs the other day and fine they weren't on the harness because they just we've been to the park um and they were both very soggy from having fallen in the brook um and uh we were walking back down like the main road back towards my house and mm-hmm. there was some guy walking up the street towards us just just looking down at his phone and this is me and my mum and two dogs like I'm I'm clinging on to my mum on the right I've got two dogs on my left it's we 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 take up a lot of space yeah um and this this guy like my mum being my mum she stopped in a really awkward place it was like somebody's driveway and she sort of stopped to to mind out of their way and I was like no, mum, because now every time I walk down here with my guide dog, she's going to think this is a place to stop, stop. because yeah. she doesn't understand because she's a dog. And we've stopped here to let this guy walk past. And I was like, don't do that. Next time we just keep walking. And she was like, well, he wasn't going to look up. He was going to walk into us. And I was like, and that was going to be his problem. Yeah. He was going to look up at the absolute last minute, see a woman in her 70s, a blind girl and two dogs that he's about to fall over. And he's going to go, holy shit, I need to get out of the way and throw himself in the road. That's his problem. Like, we need to be like being polite in that instance is going to make my life difficult and make Dora's life difficult like it's not going to be the end of the world it will probably happen twice and I shall just say no Dora come on let's go and she'll unlearn and she'll go, okay yeah 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 but it doesn't change the fact that if that if one of those times happens to be at night where I can't see where I am I'm not going to understand why the dog has stopped it's going to no. be really confusing for both of us it's going to cause me and her unnecessary anxiety just because my mum decided it was easier to move two people and two dogs out of the way than to let one guy notice where he was going 
Mm. And it, it's it's that, It I think it, it is a, I don't know, I don't know if it's a generational thing because I, I don't want to say necessarily that it is. My mum is definitely, a, my mum and her siblings are definitely the sort of people who don't like to make a fuss. And I think they that is partly their upbringing and partly because of the generation that their parents, you know, um, that, that my grandparents came from. But I do think it, it does, it is partly a disabled thing because you do have to kind of work out, as you say, what's, what is your, your point of where you, you won't tolerate it anymore. And mm. I think that my point of not tolerating it has gone really, really far down. <laughs> and I'm just, oh. I wake up every morning <laughs> sick to the back teeth of it already. And it's like, you better not fucking get in my way. <laughs> I've had enough already. Yeah. Um, I think as well, the pandemic's not helped. So we've been stuck in, you know, for a long, long time. And now mm. I am only slightly re-emerging when I have to go out. So, and when people get in my way or then I am, I used to be like, excuse me, please. Excuse me, please. I used to have this rule of excuse me please twice and then move was time number three of will you please shift yourself mm. now it's like move move <laughs> I walk around the shop shouting move because I think I can't be asked with this stop stop standing in the middle of the walkway in Marks and Spencers while I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to go to have a natter with like Nora from number 64 because you've not seen her in about three weeks just can you just like stop standing there with your trolley like gas bagging and shift your ass like just yeah just just take two steps to the left and stand next to the chicken yeah out the way so people can get and then it's when they look at you like oh 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 like oh this is new i was out um with dora yesterday i told Mm -hmm. lucy that i took myself off uh for a bit uh, just to go shopping because I'd had enough of just indoors and computers. Um, and uh, I was I was coming home and um, there were these these an awkward position like point where you go round a corner and there's a load. It's one of those shops that's got a load of crap outside on the floor. Like oh, I hate them. Like laundry baskets and washing up bowls and just just a random pound shop with shit on the floor outside <laughs> that you can buy. And then there was like three blokes just also taking up the rest of the pavement having a chat and dora bless her she walked me to the like curb to take me into the road to walk round what she considered to be a shit ton of obstacles yeah but because it was a curved curb i reached the curb before she did and so i ended up stepping down into the road and i was like no this isn't right and so i'm sort of i didn't tell her off but i corrected her turned around went back um, and did it again and she wanted to go to the curb again and I was like no no these people are standing in the street like I understand what you're doing Dora but these people can move this isn't an obstacle in our way no. this is this is people being ignorant and they had seen me do it the like the first time where I stepped into the road they they spotted it happen and then when I went back and started coming forward again, they just stood there and watched me until I walked up and I was practically in their faces. And I just went, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Because 
they were standing in the street. Yeah, that's the thing is that you can tolerate someone making a mistake. Making mistakes is fine. Mistakes yeah. happen. But willful yeah. ignorance, nah. And, you, and that's the thing. I think we, as a collective, like the three of us here, can definitely, we've got like a superpower of definitely telling the difference between a genuine mistake and somebody doing it on purpose. Do you know oh, what I mean? Completely. You go, yeah, no, you'll be you'll be in an arsehole about that. Stop it, because you, that's not helpful for anybody. Just stop being a wazzock. Um, yeah. Well, also, I think it's about, you know, choices, isn't it? And it's yeah. about the fact that when you have a physical or a mental disability or, you know, something like those things, you know, mm-hmm. we have our choices become less. Mm-hmm. and become limited and so for Alice you had no there was no safe option for you you can't go oh I'll just step into the road because I can see the cars that are coming mm. towards me I can make a judgment on those things or or Dora is able to do that for me because that's not your choice yeah. that isn't an option available to you those guys had choices and they made the wrong one <laughs> um and that's it's, what it's happens thing. all the time but it's this thing I always say, and I, I always talk about it to guests we have on, you know, em- having empathy for other people goes a long, long way, doesn't it? And you, when you are disabled and you are in those situations where you feel vulnerable, you realise how many people do, are, don't have it and are just out for themselves. They don't, they don't, give, they don't give two hoots about that. And I think it's really important to think about that. And I think one of the things that gave me some good perspective on that is that I realised, I can't remember it sort of, like I didn't have like a light bulb moment, but it sort of slowly dawned on me that every time I got frustrated because I was having difficulty navigating something or accessing something while I had my guide dog with me, I was getting angry at my dog Mm -hmm. because... My frustration was she's not getting me around this situation, but it sort of dawned on me. And I think, you know, very recently, considering I had Lola as a working dog for eight years over the summer using my cane and not having the dog to kind of rely on and, and, you know, have an element of intuition about it and having to literally, you know, the difference between having a dog and a cane is my dog sees the obstacle, walks me around it. I'm using my cane I have to basically walk into it with my stick to then go okay now I've got to get around it if that obstacle is a person they've had the time to stand there and use the senses that they have sight and sound and things like that to, to notice that I'm walking up to them and they have chosen not to get out of the way or even not to you know sometimes say oh uh, it's it's too narrow here for both of us. Hold on, let me go first, or just you know engage with me at all. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm there letting my frustration out on my awesome little dog that's just doing all that she can within the limitations of her training and her tiny Labrador brain. And versus people, as you say, and and willful ignorance. And it kind of dawned on me that I was like why on earth am I getting frustrated with this awesome little four-legged creature when the people who I should be getting cross at are, you know, these these people who just don't give a shit about me? No. 
Yeah, well, I think it's interesting as well, because for both of you, you've obviously grown up with your disabilities. Mm-hmm. And although I have a genetic condition that I had, you know, if you look at my medical history, you can see that as soon as I learned to walk, there were signs. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't diagnosed until I was 25. I wasn't symptomatic until I was 22. And so I, you know, lived most, you know, all of my childhood and um, uh, the first part of adulthood as an able, non-disabled person. Um, and although I had issues, none of them were linked together and none of them stopped me living you know, quote unquote, a, a relatively normal life. Um, and so I had to sort of go from being able to do all of these things without even thinking about it to suddenly, you know, having to come to terms with the fact that I was now disabled, which, you know, is a challenge in itself because of internalised ableism um, and because of how I wanted to fight against those things not give up my freedoms and you know not adapt to those things and that obviously causes more damage as well but also I spent a long time having an invisible disability or a non I say an an invisible disability I don't really like that because Mm. but generally no disabilities are invisible you're just not looking hard enough (laughs) Um, but I yeah I would go on I lived in London and I'd be going on public transport and I had to sit in a priority seat, um, especially on buses, because if they stopped suddenly um, and I was holding on to a, the, one of the rails standing up, my shoulders would come out of their sockets. Oof. Yeah, great fun. Yeah. Um, but also really not fun for everyone else on the bus. If the bus has to stop, you have to get off, wait for the next bus while they call an ambulance to deal yeah. with my rubbish shoulders so yeah. I need that seat yeah seat. but I was a 25 year old you know relatively healthy fit looking young woman mm-hmm. working in the city looking you know a, looking like a sort yeah <laughs> even if I do say so myself <laughs> um, yeah and so I would have people that would make comments I had abuse I had people that um yeah I had I had physical you know people would try and move me um altercations and um one of my favorite things because I used to use I I still use walking sticks but I um use folding ones especially on public transport because then I don't because then I have both hands brace myself and I'd get on the bus with my stick sit in a priority seat no one would bat an eyelid and then I'd take it and fold it and put it in my bag because then I had both hands if I needed them. And mm. um, also to play on my phone, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because <laughs> I'm a normal person on a bus. Um and um and I was I'd been up at um UCH because my dad was in intensive care and I was literally tubey gripped from my shoulders to my ankles pretty much. Um because I was having a really bad flare, everything was moving in and out of place. But I wasn't walking around with grips on show because no. why would you? Well, also, they're very, they're very unsightly unless you want to look like Keith Lemon. It's a real, real fashion statement, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, it's not quite. Yeah, so I was wearing, you know, clothes that covered all of these bandages, um, and I was sitting in a priority seat. I'd got on, got 
on where the bus started as well. So I was on the bus when it was quiet. Yeah. And this um, older, the bus started getting busier and busier. And I had noise cancelling headphones on because, again, I'm a Londoner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like people. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm sitting there and this couple of ladies get on, older ladies, about my mum's age. I wouldn't have offered my mum a seat, so why would I be offering them a seat? <laughs> a different, different matter altogether. Um, and they started having a really loud, bitchy conversation about me. And I, you know, although I had my headphones on, I could hear what they were saying, and they were slagging me off, and they were, you know, talking about how awful it was, you know, that I should offer my seat to someone, you know, young people today, all of that stuff. And um, as I was the bus was coming towards my stop I had to start getting myself ready because that's one of the things that you have to do yeah, yeah. so I'm gonna hop off the bus yeah <laughs> that doesn't happen no. yeah I have to get my yeah. stick out and get my bags ready and sort of balance myself so that yeah. I can get myself safely off the bus and they looked and their jaws hit the floor because they suddenly saw because my sleeve dropped back and they saw the grip on my hand and they saw me with my walking stick and they offered to help me get off the bus <laughs> and take my bags and I was like yeah I'll take your help yeah <laughs> excellent and I hope that they never did that again but it also taught me a lesson as well because when I was on the tube for example and someone yeah, when I was using a stick and someone was sitting in a priority seat and they didn't offer me their seat, I know yeah. that just because I can't see yeah. that you, young man with your suit on, don't have a slipped disc, mm. <laughs> yeah, that or that you're you've just come from a week's worth of chemo, or yeah, there is no way for me to know yeah. just looking at you, no, whether you need a seat or not, and yeah. so. I learned very early on that I had to ask and that I had to make space for myself because if I didn't, no one else was going to do it. Um, but also to give grace to people because there is a certain element of people have their own issues. Everybody is dealing with their own problems, whether you're disabled or not. And um, you could just be having a really bad day, but also people just don't notice. You know, uh, people don't pay attention. It happens a lot. You know, what I take from that story is is that that it's what if Transport for London put on more buses and all of their seats were accessible, then it oh, wouldn't absolutely. matter. It, yeah. Like who was sitting in the priority seat, would it? Because they'd all be priority seats. And you wouldn't have to. You wouldn't have to put that label on yourself. You wouldn't have to worry about other people questioning whether you you should be allowed to sit in that seat. They've now got badges. They didn't have badges when I lived in London. Yeah. But then again, that's like, you know, going, look at me. Exactly. And again, I hate yeah. that. I hate yeah. like It's like, um, you know, the Sunflower Lanyard scheme. Mm. There was a there was a bit in the paper a few, few months ago where some, um, I think it was like an airport or something. You know, the little like buggy things that the men in the airport drive. So when you save your legs. Yeah. So you can sit on the thing and it'll take you to the gate. So you don't have to walk like 5,000 miles to get on the plane. Um, they And it was for people who can't walk long distances. And instead of just having like a little sticker that said with a sunflower on to indicate this is for me because I can't walk very far, they'd like covered it 
like it was bright green with like about 200 sunflowers on and i'm like that's not the point of the <laughs> the sunflower land it's like a discreet thing to go okay i might need a little bit of help not like decorate it like woohoo here comes the <laughs> Here comes the gimpy wagon, like they're all a bit, they're all a bit, they all struggle a little bit, but they're going to go and get in some nice sunshine and cure their ailments. You're like, yeah, I don't really like, like, I don't really like it when people make a fuss. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. You want to be, we want to be treated equally. And that's yeah. the thing is that equity yeah. is not the same. It's, you know, talking about making these adaptations for people that, you know, under the Equalities Act and that side of things is that actually, you know, what we want is just to have the same access as everybody else. And that doesn't mean that you plaster it in some flower. Or the lift to get into the building actually makes a loud, loud beeping noise while you're using it that like draws your attention to you getting it like beep, 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 like, all right, all right, yeah, I know. I'm arriving. I think I'd really like uh, to be like ferried around in a like little wagon thing covered in flowers. That sounds like I'd be like, yes, I am the May Queen. <laughs> Hello, I, have, I have had it. I've done it quite a few times and it is good fun. Um, I did it on a, a girl's holiday and we all yeah, went in that it. That sounds brilliant. Um, yeah, um, yeah. We, we went to Turkey and it was hilarious. Um, and obviously we booked assistance for the yeah. whole process for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, it was, uh, it just added an extra level to it because we were quite drunk. Um, <laughs> and it was good fun. Um, when, I, when I went to the Tower of London, there was a massive, massive, huge queue for... Um, Where's the place? What's that place called where they keep all the with crowns? the tulips and clogs? No, no, no! I'm <laughs> not going to live that one down, am I? Uh, no, where they keep all the the, the crown jewels? With the crown jewels. Yeah, there was a huge queue, and of course I, being British, went and joined the queue and thought, oh well, you know, we'll just stand here for a few hours and see if we can get in. And the bit this beef eater fella walked past me and went, "Are you queuing for the for the crown jewels?" I said, "Yeah." He said, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, I went from the back of the queue, walked past all of these Chinese yeah. tourists, like these, and I'm like, I'm, I felt so like, I'm so, I'm so, like, this is ace, but also at the same time, I'm like, I'm so sorry. No, I'm no, really, there's really, got to be a silver really, lining. There's really, got to be an upside. Really, Take advantage. Really. I mean, I, I did it, we went to, um, I went with a friend of mine to see Book of Mormon. Yeah. And, Amazing. Yeah, Theatre tickets is one of my favourite things about being disabled, I will yep. say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. Um, and depending on the theatre, of course, there's some not so good. But no. um, we went to see Book of Mormon. And you basically, you've got your own, like, member of staff. So when everyone oh, else is out to go and, you know, queue for drinks and everything, we yeah. were like, right, we want beer, we want popcorn. We want... Yeah. <laughs> we had... Can we open a tab? <laughs> and it was excellent. And I was like, this is the life. I'm I'm winning here. Yeah. Um, I keep saying to my girlfriends, I'm like, whenever you want to go to the theatre, tell, tell me. me. I get yeah. a carer's ticket for free. Yeah. Exactly. It's, free. Like, it's amazing. My local one, because um, I now live in the southwest, um, and we go to... Um, 
the Theatre Royal in Bristol. And what they do is that whatever you're, I mean, this is again, this is about access being really positive because what they do is that whatever your access needs are, you get the lowest price ticket. Yes. And so instead of it being that you have a special space for wheelchair users or, you know, that side of things, they actually do it. So for me, um, quite often I don't use my wheelchair. I use sticks or I walk and, you know, I'm able to do so. And I can make that choice depending on, well, sometimes I can, sometimes I don't have the choice. Um, And, but they do it, we get a box because I need to be able to move. That's my biggest thing with going to the theatre is I need to be able to stand up. I need to be able to move. I need to be able to move my legs because sitting for hours really, really affects my joints. And I need to be able to move. And I need to be able to move without annoying anyone else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ruining the show for someone because I'm just like sticking my bum in their face. I'm doing some interpretive dance. (laughs) I'm doing a little bit of stretching here because my physio told me to. (laughs) I'm really sorry. And so what they do is you just, so we get a box. And, um, you know, you, you can have like three or four people in there <laughs> yeah, and have a party, which is what Lucy was talking about um, before we started recording is that whole thing of, you know, when you go to a gig, you just get like one person with you and you don't get to have your friends and mm. you want to go to these things with other people. You don't want to just be you and your carer. Um it would be nice for us to be able to just go and have the whole crew. I can remember going to a gig. I can't remember who it was, but I can remember there was quite a few of us that went to this gig. And um, my friends just kept coming up on a rotation. <laughs> like, spend a bit of time with me and then go back down again. So and I was never, I never knew who was coming. So it was like 20, 20 minutes of somebody, then 20 minutes of somebody else. I was like, oh, hello, nice to see you. Like, I felt like I got visitors. Was I don't, why why couldn't all of your friends hang out with you on the access platform? Because of spaces to allow other people onto the ramp. Right. Okay. Because yeah. of, it's like a consideration of yeah. Okay, yeah, we've yeah. got ten spaces. You can't then take up ten of those space to five of those spaces with your one person. Mates, with your yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I understand with older theatres, but I do think that if you are creating new venues, mm-hmm. every single thing should be accessible. Yeah, yeah, should be the standard, and that's that's one of the things that you know I've been working with in terms of political policy and that side of things. Um, for the Labour Party, will keep it relatively on the down low. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, there are other parties available. Um, <laughs> But it's, you know, it's about the fact that it should be part of housing policy. It should be part of, you know, disabled people are using every single aspect of our society. We are in it. We are a part of it. And unless Mm -hmm. you make government policy, whether that is healthcare, education, you know, accessible from the start, then it's always going to be a problem. It's always going to be an afterthought. Um, and that year was um, something recently where, um, gosh, her name has gone from my head. She's amazing. She's um lovely um, EDS uh, dancer. Oh, uh, Kate. Yes. Stanford. Yes, that's the one. And she was talking about obviously trying to buy a house, you know, trying to yeah. get a property that was accessible for her. And it was a new build. And the, if they added um, a stair lift, it would void the warranty. That's ridiculous. It's, it's 
surely it should be illegal. I mean, yeah, (laughs) ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but actually, it is that thing where it is. Yeah, I mean, it's when you sort of. I suppose my reaction is quite indicative, really, because if you you sort of break it down past that, like I'm saying, that's ridiculous because I'm like I'm shocked by that. But actually, breaking it down, so she's buying a house with her own money that she's worked for and she wants to personalize it for her needs so she can actually live in and use that house and as part of that it would mean that she would lose the warranty which they wouldn't even sell it to her that's ridiculous so she wasn't yeah and and that's that's where we have a really big problem is that those kind of structural issues allow for us to become even more marginalized mm. and you know it's something that is happening locally in my town is that we have a um we have a fantastic school for um this you know children with additional needs and disabled kids and it's fantastic it's like four to 18 it's a brilliant school they're lovely and it's it's one of those near me and it's the kids from the local community that go there and their siblings go to the school next door yeah it is a brilliant brilliant state run school and they the local council decided that they were going to build a new school an amazing lovely new school to encompass the three schools in the county. Yeah, I know exactly what you're say here. Yeah. 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 And they would close the local school and it would involve children who have a lot of additional support needs having to travel three hours round trip every day to go to access educa- education Just... and not be in their communities. And fortunately, the campaign so far has been successful and the school is not closing and they will be staying in our our community. But this is the problem, is that if our education system alone, you know, is not going to be accessible, is not going to include disabled people, we're going to be hidden away even more. And if we're not seen, if we're not visible, if we're not in these spaces, it's much easier for people to not, include us it's like it's a really difficult argument though because there is also an element i think you know the the place near us that is um is primarily children with learning difficulties but a lot of them have very complex needs um you know multiple disabilities and it's 12 kids to a class there's a teacher two teaching assistants and three class classroom assistants so basically one adult per two children every yeah every every, every kid has got somebody there to go are you all right do you need a pencil it's amazing it is an amazing place and they've got all these different um like playgrounds one of them's got a pirate ship in it i'm all in for this school can we go and find an office there and just work from yeah. there. I want to go and sit in the pirate ship. Um, and it's it's beautifully accessible and stuff yeah. like that. And and there are children there who very much need to have specialist care and specialist education because they need to have, you know, because of their medical needs as well as their access needs. But then there are also children there 
um because i volunteered there for about a year there are also children there who are uh you know have learning difficulties are on the autistic spectrum who could be integrated into a mainstream school setting could have that you know if they had the additional support they could be more integrated with more of their peers because 12 kids in a class is great but you know 12 kids in a class means that you've got 12 kids your age to be your yeah. possible friend group I think, I, I think i've spoken about this before with you alice and on the on the show before i went to a school that was for kids with additional needs uh, and i was there from the age of three to the age of 18 19 so it was a long time i was there and during that time so around my gcse years which is in a really important year obviously um there was this whole push to get disabled disabled children into mainstream education and I was a prime candidate for you know this thing mm. and being a mardy moody teenager I went I don't want to go all my mates are here because I had up until that point I had grown up without the stigma people staring like we as far as we as far as that whole school were con the pupils in that school were concerned everybody was quote unquote normal it was there was mm -hmm. nothing there was nothing strange we could just grow up and be like naughty teenagers because we were naughty teenagers there were like things that went on that you're like oh that's naughty um and i realized it sounded like i was on a carry-on film then you did um, Louis, yeah. <laughs> yeah well that's all oh, that's naughty um but where what i do kind of regret and i wish that i could get my I, could, I wish I could tell my moody teenager self is, you know, if you'd have gone to a mainstream school, even if it was like hot part time, you know, to do your GCSEs, you'd have probably got better grades. You'd have probably, I mean, I know it's not the be all and end all, but when you look at my CV now, half of the certificates I took aren't worth the paper they're written on. You know, like I've got entry level humanities where we, I can tell you all about volcanoes in J Japan and fault lines. None mm. of that is relevant to my career and that kind of thing. So, but it's it's just because, you know, the, the kids that I was in class with, not everybody was like me. Not everybody could do GCSEs. I think, I, I think there was only about four of us in our class, three of us maybe. I think, it, I think what you're sort of saying is that the focus was on inclusion for your disability yes. not your education no and no there those are two different things and yeah. i think it's really important to to be able to have both and i mean even you know from a sort of social aspect going me going from you know going to school in north london until i was 15 where you know such a, an amazingly beautifully diverse i love london i love how you can't swing a cat without hitting somebody from a different cultural background or mm -hmm. ethnicity or whatever then uh, you know who's got different experiences to you to the town i live in now which is very white and sort of uh low working class and lower middle class there's not a lot of mix to the people around no. here no. and for me like going you know it's it's a similar sort of equivalent is by limiting disabled children to going to 
special schools, they're only going to meet a small part, like sort of cut out of their local community. And, you know, I'm not saying that amongst those people, there's not going to be a lot of diversity and a lot of different experiences, but it does mean that you are fundamentally, there are people that you won't be meeting, you won't be having experiences with. And I think that, you know, all of those experiences and and all of that integration is really, it's valuable. It's interesting. It makes you more interesting the more time you spend with different people. Absolutely. And don't don't get me wrong. If any of my school friends, the ones that are left, um, oh, and I say left, (laughs) I say left because most of them have passed away. God bless them. But um, the the one, you know, I wouldn't change a thing about going to school because the, the people I met and the friends I made and all of those experiences that I was allowed to have because I wasn't worrying about mm. kids staring at other yeah. kids staring at me and being just nasty little bullies while I was at school. I didn't have any of that. I mean, there were there were bullies, but we were I wasn't being bullied because I was in a wheelchair. I was being bullied because people found me very irritating. Um, don't say I a word. Can Replacing me with Emily, so <laughs> I, I had nothing to do with that. Don't blame me. We've had a year of we've had a year of partnership where it's been absolute bliss, and now the, like the the niggly little, oh yeah, she, she's a bit irritating, is setting in. Um, but yeah, we, we were. I wasn't bullied because I was in a wheelchair. I was bullied because they just didn't like me. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't because. Oh yeah, no, it was like, equal opportunities bullying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, so there is, I wouldn't really, um, I wouldn't really, I, I don't regret anything. But maybe there is that little bit of, oh, I wish I could have got like done the higher paper English and stuff like that because, you know, I mean, and I when I started college, you know, I went to a mainstream college and everybody thought Lucy's not going to do very well here because her, her GCSE grades or non-existent and do you know what i bloody smashed it thank you very much but i'm very proud of that certificate um but it's it sets you up doesn't it for oh yeah they're not going to do very well yeah but but then you can surprise people all the time lucy i love surprising people so do i (laughs) i'm like go on underestimate me it'll be fun (laughs) i think what alice said about you know sort of the the london thing is really interesting because i i spent um, the first part of my childhood living in Hackney and yeah I mean it's one of my favourite places on the planet because I went to a school where there were like 30 different languages spoken mm. yeah celebrated every religious festival under the sun um and yeah we had a prayer room and this is you know 30 odd years ago yeah it was a really special wonderful education um in not just in terms of the school but in terms of the community and the you know like we'd have the the hindu mums would come in during diwali and they would we'd have henna on our hands and we'd yeah have red envelopes at chinese new year and you know it was it was just a really really lovely environment you know, i remember i remember all the food oh, all the food of course all you do yeah it's just, just, just like every every religious festival somebody would be bringing in food and you just be yeah. like yes 
Yes, absolutely. I, I, I want to be religious just so that I can have some of that. I, I got to go, we had friends on our street, an Indian family on our street, and they had a proper big Indian wedding that yeah. we invited oh, wow. to. And it is literally like one of my favourite memories because it was just bonkers. <laughs> and so much food. But I went to, sorry, Lucy, I was just going to, before I forget, because I will lose my train of thought. Yeah, but, no. but when I moved out of London, I um, when I was in London, and I lived in London as an adult as well, so I moved back to London as a teenager to go to university, um, and I started, you know, became disabled. I say became disabled. It's a bit of a weird way to look at it, but mm-hmm. I started using AIDS in London, and no one would blink an eye. Yeah, no one would even look at me. No one would stare. I'd be there, young person in a bar in Canary Wharf with my walking stick and no one was Mm. bothered. And there's this kind of misconception about Londoners that we're sort of rude. (laughs) But it's actually, we just don't don't care. Yeah. Um, We're not in your business. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not in a kind of apathetic way. It's just that... We've got other stuff to think about. Like, exactly. It's just, just, it it is absolutely like... Like I can remember when, um, when after the um, July bombings, there was stuff all over the, all over the tube and all over the news and stuff about like keeping an eye out for things. And I can remember saying to a friend, <laughs> they have to put these signs up because Londoners are too busy, like going about their own business, to notice what any fucker else is doing. Yeah, playing Candy Crush and exactly. you, could, you could go and try <laughs> you could try and get the tube dressed as Mr. Blobby and nobody would be bothered. No, yeah. but that's the thing, is that we just you know, Londoners have just have got this thing where we just you can look over someone. You just don't necessarily and people they do pay attention, but in a different way. Yeah. And the first time that I got asked, what did you do? Yeah, what what did you do? What's wrong with you? Was you know in rural somewhere at a festival, and someone looked at me up and down and said, "Well, what did you do then?" Yeah, yeah, and I and that never happened in London, and I think that's the thing that I was saying about um, disabled children being in their communities is that yes certainly special i say special specific education that's that's tailored to their needs is important and having yeah the school that we've got locally is specifically for those children but having them in the town having them in the community means that when they go to the park Mm. with their school kids and with their teachers they're local they're here they're still with their siblings if they need to be their parents still pick them up from school every day still do school drop off do do all of those things they don't have to be bussed in the whole time some of them are obviously but it's it's about the fact that there's a brilliant um meme um from a fantastic instagram account um where basically it's about how it's the cycle of invisibility of disability and it's like you know we a disabled person can't get in there and so then people don't include them and it doesn't yeah and then it perpetuates the problem because 
they, people don't see that there's a problem because that disabled person doesn't even try to get in there or try no, to it, be a part it's of that. The, well, we don't get any disabled people coming here. And it's like that's because disabled people can't get in. That's because there is steps up and I can't get in. Yeah. And I'm shouting at you. We don't even bother. We don't even yeah. try because we look at it and we go, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So we don't do it. And so what I'm trying to do is to actually put myself in those positions which is exhausting and can be challenging or can be dangerous at times as well mm. for my physical health but I try to actually put myself in the position where I'm being awkward <laughs> and making myself a problem yeah. um, but that's because I've got you know I've got the resources and I'm able to do that and obviously a lot of people don't so I'm seeing that as a privilege because i put myself out there and I'm able to do that um and I'm trying to do it in the sort of political sphere but I also do it as a normal working mum and someone who has to deal with school drop-offs and pickups and things like that and I put myself out there as the kind of like a test subject I suppose. <laughs> and I'm trying to do things that I would normally go no that's too difficult um I was asked to talk at a panel in London in a few weeks' time, and I, my initial reaction was like, oh, don't want to go on the train, don't want to book assistance, don't want to try and find an accessible hotel, don't want to have to deal with taxis, don't want to do other things. And then the other side of me was going, why not? Mm. Yeah. But that, I think that becomes that, that whole, I don't want to, I don't want to do this, don't want to do that, I really, I, I really can't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to comes from the tiredness and the exhaustion of the disability experience isn't it mm. really you feel like oh do I, do I have to because it's knackering and you just know that there are going to be obstacles in your way you can but you can plan for every eventuality and you will get there and something has gone awry that you you hadn't planned for you know I always say it's like a, it's like leaving me leaving the house is like packing for a giant baby you know like babies <laughs> you know what i mean baby you know when you have a baby and they go okay we're going to leave the house go to the park for the afternoon or whatever and you have to take 42 suitcases like 500 pairs of clothes just in case the baby is sick. oh it's a military operation exactly going out with me is like packing with it with it for for a giant baby so yeah, like, there's no spontaneity anymore. No. Have you got Have you got your tablets? What if you get a sore, sore throat or a headache or something starts to hurt that you think this is new? Um, I take all sorts of stuff with me. It's ridiculous. Um, so it is that level of when somebody goes, "Oh, do you fancy going to this new place?" You think, "Oh Christ!" You want to say yes, but you think, "Oh, can I really be that bad?" And it's because you're tired of not necessarily tired of being disabled but you're tired of the experience of having to negotiate society who goes yeah it's going to be difficult getting on that train and you're like watch me you know i've been talking about going to visit my dad in france he's been living there since november 2019 and i haven't actually been out to see his house yet right and i've got a couple of weeks of work coming up and I off work coming up and I was mm. like oh I'll um I, I might you know go out and see him and I sort of spoke to him 
And actually, he's much further away from Paris than I kind of realised, because unlike Lucy, my understanding of geography and volcanoes is not very good. Um, (laughs) To be honest, my understanding of geography full stop is terrible because I didn't know where Holland was. (laughs) So, yes, but um, and I was sort of I was like planning it in my head before I'd spoken to my dad and I was like, right. I can get the train straight down to St Pancras and then get straight on the Euro Tunnel. Like that's that's basically that's one interaction in the like get on the train here and just sit for an hour. That's yeah. I can manage that. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, it's the interaction is the change at St Pancras, but that's going to be being handed over from, uh, you know the the train staff to the Euro staff Stuff. staff. Like that's that's fine. They'll put me somewhere. I'll sit and wait for my train they'll come and get me because I will make a fuss and make sure that I'm remembered and they'll come and get me and put me and I'll sit on a train and then I'll get off the other end and my dad will pick me up and we'll go to his house but then I was like having spoke to my dad I was like okay so I'd get to Paris and then I'd have to get across Paris and then I'd have to get from Paris like my dad would drive me and it's like a six hour drive and I started going okay well that we start adding it and it's the human interaction element of it that is the bit yeah. that I'm dreading so I was like yeah. okay so what I'd do is I'd get to I'd, I'd I could I get to Paris get off the train fine is there a hotel at the Eurostun- Euro tunnel? terminal in Paris that I can stay at so I can have a rest in between and then I do the trip to my dad's and then I was like and then after I come home like can I time this so that I spend a couple of days with my dad and then I come home and I can have a day in bed before I have to go back to work because I'm going to be exhausted Mm -hmm. from doing all the traveling like and just coming back because I'll spend a day in bed at my dad's house so that means actually if I want to spend any time with my dad and go around anywhere, then I need to be three days in front. And this goes from, oh, I'm going to go spend a long weekend with my dad to I need to find seven days yeah. to do seven, something in. Seven days. This is where the additional cost of being disabled comes in as well, because yeah. you're going, well, actually, I'm going to stay in a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. But a non-disabled person wouldn't have done. Exactly. And it's like you're not just spending your spoons in energy – you were also having to use knives and forks to get through the rest of the week. Do you know what yes. I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, have you, have you got no, I've got no spoons left. Let's use a fork to yeah, get exactly. through the rest of this week. It's <laughs> just absolutely, like I had a similar experience. So I went to Nadex in Birmingham because they, they started Nadex up again because after the coronavirus. And I, I nearly came. I went, well, you should you should do next year you can come or you can come say hello. Yeah, I might look at you like go, who is this person? Because I, I don't know, because Emily doesn't have a <laughs> Yeah, Emily doesn't have her video on, so we don't actually yeah. know what she looks like. But uh, yeah, because if I look at you vaguely going, I think I know you. Um that's why. But um and I knew that week was gonna be horrendous because not only are is that I've not been out of the house so my stamina's not what it used to be. Um it was a whole day job. It was the first, this is going to make me sound like a right wimp, but it was the first real thing out of the house without my mom in about 18 months. Do you know what I mean? My mom had always been there to like, you're all right. Everything's all right. We're going to do this. Then we're going to come home and it's going to be fine. But it was a whole day without my mom. I <laughs> like, like, I know it's going to be exhausting. And sure enough, I, you know, I had a bath 
the, the day before i packed my bag so i wasn't stressing about that all this stuff and i the the it took me about a week and a half a good week and a half to get over it because i just felt like i've been run over by a truck do you know what i mean and it was mm. one day at the nec and i think that's where the internalized ableism can creep in because you sit there after your one day at the nec doing your job and you think this is ridiculous i should i should i don't know where this comes from but i think i should be able to manage yeah. a trip to nadex at yeah. the nec and be absolutely fine and yet i'm like i'm not fine i can't move like i have to cancel everything in my diary and then i feel pathetic so the the internalized ableism then of you know i'm terrible i'm i'm a t you know terrible terrible friend because i can't you know i can't go out as often like, i always feel bad because i'm in bed at eight o'clock at night and i'm not asleep but i'm just resting i'm stretching my limbs out because i've been sat down all day and i I'm always feel I feel Every awful. Night. I'm such awful. a loser. I know. I think we should start a little club. Um, <laughs> but it's like, and people, but my friends who don't understand the situation will go, oh yeah, Lucy goes to bed dead early. And I'm like, I'm not asleep. I'm watching the telly. I'm answering emails. I'm I'm just doing it lay down. Like, I'm not. My bed is more comfy than my sofa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've still got a TV in my bedroom. <laughs> I know. Like, I, why would I not be on my bed? Mum said to me the other day, do you want to lie out on the sofa? And I was like, yeah, all right then. My sofa is so narrow that I was like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't move. And I actually said to her, shall I just go to bed? Like, shall I just go and yeah, lie? Yeah, I've got a giant sofa because I've got a giant husband. So, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I basically married someone who could reach the top shelf. Um, yeah, because... yeah, that's what you need, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it is, I think there's that thing, isn't it, where... Yeah, like when I went to this conference recently, I it was five days and I ended up getting it was my first time with a power add on for my wheelchair. Yeah. And I was so excited. Um, but I also had to learn to drive. <laughs> Can I just say I've got one and I end up in a bush every single time. I love it. It's the every best thing in the world. Time. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. But it's that whole thing, you know, like I've only had a wheelchair for five years. Right. Um, and I got it when I was pregnant. Um, and basically my hips were protesting about the fact that they I forced them to grow a human. Um, they <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I know, really annoyed with me, um, which we kind of predicted. <laughs> we knew that might happen. Um, and, yeah, so my midwife was like, well, maybe you should get yourself a wheelchair. And I was like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> um and it and i was like actually no what well, i'm gonna do it and i had to crowdfund for it because obviously that's yeah. how it works if you want a wheelchair that isn't really heavy um and i got this fantastic chair and she's amazing i love her um and i know yeah i started using her for days out and for things that would be longer and that sort of stuff and my physiotherapist was like yeah, it's giving up, you know, you're going to get deconditioned and you, know, you need to make sure you're using your legs. And I'm like, right, okay, so I'm going to go and do this thing for two hours on my feet and the next three days I'm going to be in bed doing nothing, Yeah, recovering from these things. Yeah. And I can do that all the time or I could go and do this thing in my wheelchair for the whole day, have a great time, <laughs> yeah. sleep it off, 
and maybe stay in bed for one day afterwards. Yeah, yeah. That is it. it is. It's I'm dis- going to make the choice. It's disability maths, isn't it? Really? Yes, That's it, what is. it is. That's what yeah. it is. And you have to work out what's the trade-off, what's the thing that is more important. And yeah, I'm one of those annoying people that works out regularly. I go swimming. I do all of the stuff that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. As you know, a disabled person who has problems with their joints and their muscles, and my physio will tell me that I have to do things. And I do all of the stuff, and I'm still in pain, and I still need a wheelchair. So. <laughs> So yeah, up yours. I'm going to use my wheelchair. Thanks exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> and that's 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 kind of what I realised very early on when we were starting the podcast. And I can remember, I can remember having a really bad. Well, I was having a really bad sort of time of it, really, because my my granddad had passed away, and I said to Alice, "I'm really sorry, Alice. I think we're going to have to like move some stuff and like." you know drop move some stuff around because I was in a lot of pain and things and she was she, Alice said to me Luce it's fine this is our thing we're in charge of it and as soon as she said that I instantly felt better and I you know and I've had to say it to Alice sometimes Alice you know can get overwhelmed with things and with work and I say look it's fine this is our thing we're in charge of it if we have to move some stuff we have to move some stuff and having that Having that one thing where you can go, if I really, really need to, not that I want to move stuff about and mess people about all the time, but if if there is no other option and I have to move it, it's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's not a big deal. To not have, to have that one thing where there is no pressure to go, you have to do this under, you know, like, I'm going to hold you, I'll hold a gun to your head. It's so refreshing and, and it's freeing. It's perspective. It's yeah. about, you know, being able to, what's important here. And like my mum's, my one of my mum's oldest, oldest friends is this really nice lady named Carol, who's got, um, I can never remember which way around it. It's this M-E, M-E that she's got. M-E. Uh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. she's, she's often like she can do something and then she's just out for a day, basically, yeah. at least. She's got no energy or anything at all. And I can remember being about 17 and pushing myself and like going through my A-levels and stuff like that and and starting to really struggle with my eyes and try, like, I get, I get migraines, I get flash like I have constantly I have flashing lights anyway but like extra flashing lights so so much so that it's like disorientating and it makes my head hurt and I can't deal with light and stuff like that if I strain my eyes too much if I work my eyes too much and I can remember basically um my mum you know saying something about Carol pushing herself and just basically deciding what was important to her and that she was going to do and what she ended carol ended up doing was taking early retirement because she decided i think she was a teacher she didn't want to spend the time and the life that she had because she was you know privileged enough that i think her partner was still working mm. you know she wanted to spend her time doing the things that she enjoyed doing which is you know a little bit gardening reading books stuff like that rather than working and then being exhausted and then working and then being exhausted Mm. and that is the sort of the same 
the situation I've tried to live my life by now is going, well, you know, what, what's more important to me in this situation? And there are definitely things that I will push myself for. Mm. And I think one of the, I probably do it too much for my day job. I push myself a lot and definitely have to, you know, have to have time off sick from work because I've pushed myself a lot to exhaustion. But actually that's because for me, my job my work that I do is really important to me it's a really big part of my identity and so it's kind of worth it Mm. yeah well I think that's the thing I think we've all benefited from yeah the last 18 months has been awful yeah it has been absolutely the most isolating horrendous thing and has obviously yeah been terrible for many people but actually the thing that it's taught me is that there are things that I can say no to yeah yeah it's okay to say no and you know do I have to do that no <laughs> so I'm not going to <laughs> and it's really it's quite it's quite refreshing to be able to go actually I don't want to do that so I don't have to do it and, no. yeah. and it's about a bit of self-preservation yeah. a bit of um protecting myself health-wise and mentally as well or that sort of stuff but also going actually that's too much effort and I don't want to make that effort on that yeah. thing because I have other things yeah. that I can do that I really want to do and I'm I'm one of those people I like saying yes to stuff um I like it, I like it a lot um, <laughs> and, and I do a lot of things and so being able to turn around and go actually no but also as well the flip side of that as well as being able to go this whole 18 months has gone I don't want to do that anymore I what you know but then the other side of that is it makes you go I I yeah I really want to do that do you know what I mean yeah. it focuses on so like the the podcast stuff there's been there's been times where I've where we me and Alice have had conversations and I've said look you know Alice has said you know I'm really busy with xyz and this and that and this and that and I've sort of said like if you need to take a like like if we need to move some stuff around for the podcast it's absolutely fine and she's gone no I really want to do that you know I'm really you know we're going we'll do that that's fine that's that's the one thing I'm looking forward to this week and that again has been you know finding finding something that you're passionate about but doesn't take for, for us anyway yeah doesn't take too much like it's just basically sitting having a chat with somebody isn't it really at the end of the day it's the great thing about being self-employed I'm gonna put it out there (laughs) um I love my life (laughs) I have the best job my boss is a bit of a bitch though (laughs) (laughs) but it is that thing where I get to literally every day wake up do something that I love doing or not yeah and, and you know, it, there is obviously an element of financial reward that I need to make sure that I do do a certain <laughs> amount, um, which, you know, is a bit essential, pay the bills and all of those things. But I have this autonomy where I get to be able to say, actually, not today, no. Yeah. Um, respect my body. Yeah. And you know what? That's where that's where things like disability benefits are really, really important because... Mm as much as you know we three are very privileged that we can say no to things and not necessarily worry about 
and not being able to pay the bills and not being able to kind of cover our backs. But actually, you know what, there are people out there who who don't have that, you know, aren't aren't that privileged, aren't that lucky to to have that option. And so those people who need to say no sometimes for their own health, but also need to be able to pay the bills. That's yeah. where things like a decent social security is really, really important. Oh, massively. I mean, I'm a, I'm a benefit claimant. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have, um, I'm, I'm legacy benefits. I also have um, PIP and that side of things. But um, the thing that we have to, as a, as a community, we have to be really wary of at the moment is that there is a proposal to combine the PIP assessment with universal credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that universal is, credit is so dangerous that is terrifying so terrible. that absolutely terrifies me and we as a community need to make sure that we do yeah we fight tooth and nail to stop that happening because my pip is my safety net yep my pip is my week off because yeah. i can't get out of bed and yes it pays the additional costs of being disabled like the fact that I can't physically clean my house so I have to have someone else do it for me that occasionally my body goes yes of course go to the supermarket and then while I'm there goes no you can't be here yeah (laughs) get a taxi change my mind I want to go home now (laughs) what were you thinking (laughs) but it covers the additional cost of being disabled it's a one means tested benefit it is not about how much you earn and it pays the additional cost of being disabled. And we have to do everything possible to prevent this government from taking that away from us because it's about equal access. It's about having a little bit of dignity. But, yeah, for me, I'm eligible for some things, but because I have a mortgage, I'm not eligible for most of universal credit or those sorts of things. So I wouldn't get it. So, like, last year when my husband was made redundant during the pandemic, (laughs) we were entitled to nothing. Nothing at all. And because I've been self-employed for three years, but I hadn't made a profit at that point, I got no none of the self-employment support. So I got nothing at all and there's a big campaign at the moment with disabled people against cuts um because people on legacy benefits didn't get any of the um, uplift that was given to people on universal credit during the pandemic and the additional support so anyone on esa um they did do it for tax credits but sort of a kind of token gesture they Mm -hmm. didn't do they did 500 pounds to everyone on tax Mm -hmm. credits um rather than the that's a bit like the uh, bonus that disabled people get at christmas oh i love my letter from pip here you go it's 10 quid thank you you've been a a very good disabled person this year continue on the same trajectory next year and you may get another tenner (laughs) (laughs) it's very weird thank you but also why do they send it in a letter I don't, yeah. I don't want the DWP letter coming through my door. Every time there's a brown letter, I have palpitations. Do you know what I would like? You know when you see the advert for the postcode lottery and it's Jeff Brazier knocking on the door going, you've won like yeah. £5,000. <laughs> I want that level of force. Congratulations. Congratulations. Here's a tenner. <laughs> it would probably cost them as much to do that as it does to send out however many million of those fucking £10 letters. And I would also like celebrities just to come and knock on the door and just say, here's your tenner. 
you want a signed photo? I think that's probably a step too far. I know, but I would like that though. Who who would you you want, please, me? Who would I want? Um, Either Dolly Parton or Samuel L. Jackson. Nice. Good choices. Alice? I mean, I was going to aim much lower than that. I was going to say, like, Duncan from Blue. <laughs> I used to really fancy him. If we're, uh, if, we're, if, we're going to, if we're going high flyers, then I'll yeah. have uh, my girl Taylor. And, I knew you were going to uh, say that. I knew. No. And, uh, and, and, and Chris Evans, of course, because then I can lure him into my home and convince him that uh, I actually married him four and a half years you ago. That. Can I just say, you mean Chris Evans that from Marvel? Captain America? Yeah, Captain not, America. Yeah. Not Chris Evans off the radio with a ginger hair. Ginger <laughs> no, I think I, I, I think Lucy that perhaps you're just showing your age a little bit there because yeah. I think most people young, most people under thirty these days. When you say Chris Evans, they go, "Oh, Captain Ooh. America." Yeah, no. Except that we all went. Ginger Chris Evans. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could afford him, to be honest. Like, you know. What about yeah, you, Emily? It's funny, because I, I was thinking about it, and, um, yeah, Chris Evans, yes, as long as he turned up as Captain America, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that would... That yeah, would, I'll take, yeah. I'll, I'll take him in any form that he would like. <laughs> Preferably dressed as nothing. That would be fine. Just, just, <laughs> with with wearing with nothing but a smile. With a ten-pound note covering his bits. <laughs> I believe this is yours. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, very, very Christmas. <laughs> oh. Okay, oh. Emily, it's been amazing having you on. Um, is there? You talked about that campaign to uh, destroy Boris Johnson and um, keep uh, disability benefits as uh, not uh, means-tested. Do you have any idea where we can signpost people to? to no, so at the moment, that is sort of in its infancy because they've sort of mentioned it, but they haven't done anything about it yet. The the priority at the moment is disabled people against cuts are in court today um, campaigning for um, the uh, uplift to be given to people on legacy benefits. Okay. Um, so that that's the thing that we're supporting at the moment. Um, and I will make sure that you guys have a link that you can share. Fab. Um, um, I have listened before. We'll perhaps, uh, we'll perhaps come back to you for an update when we're going to get ready to uh, for this episode to come out to see if you've got an update on that campaign and um, we can signpost people to it then. Yes, so hopefully that, that's that's the one that we're hoping very much is going to to win. Um, yes. yeah, it's in the High Court today, so that's really important. With the other one, we don't know when that's going to happen, but with this government, things get done sort of on the sly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit stealth and it could be... I think, um... I think Boris takes a similar approach to passing stuff through uh, government as he does to uh, having it away with women who aren't his wife. It's uh, yeah. I just do it quietly, nobody will notice. <laughs> or if I just sort of mention a whole loads of words in Latin, then no one will understand, so it'll be fine. I should probably um, say allegedly. Just probably. Yeah, probably. We, we don't want Boris Johnson suing us. We don't want the Prime Minister suing us, Alice. <laughs> I could take him, it's fine. Me and Captain America. Thank <laughs> you, ten pounds. Yeah, we'll kick his ass. Once it's been sanitized. Um, <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for joining us. It's a joy been an absolute joy 
Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I said anything that was vaguely interesting to other people, but you know, it was great fun having a chat. <laughs> That's all we aim for, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been, I've listened to every episode, and I I'm really you know in awe of what you guys do. And I think that one of the things that I want to say is that inspiring people is a doing word. Yeah. You know, you Emily, <laughs> Emily, I think you might make me cry in a minute. No, <laughs> do something if you inspire someone they have to do something so if you're talking about if someone just calls you inspirational just for sitting in a wheelchair then that's nonsense <laughs> but actually yeah what you guys have done with this is something that is inspiring to people to actually do something with what you know to share their stories that's a really really powerful thing so thank you that's really I like oh. that I think inspiring is a doing word I want that on a t-shirt Oh, yeah. I think we might, can we, should we add that to the list of merchandise we want to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's why I think that Lucy has such a, an aversion to it is that, it, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Just telling someone that they're inspiring doesn't you, mean anything. Well, yeah. but I really want what you've done there is you've basically called me inspiring in a roundabout sort of way that I don't actually mind. So there we go. Oh, good. I'm really glad I didn't make you one of them. And uh, listeners, if if you think Lucy and I are inspiring, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, do, do my do excellent go... segues. Yes, yeah. uh, go fund me because uh, it's just coming up to time to pay for our recording platform again. Yeah, uh, and rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell Leave your family. Tell strangers in the street. Leave yet yeah, leave reviews all over the place. Make um, some homemade merchandise. I don't know. And we will see you guys next time. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>